The scripture that we study today follows the one that uh, we read last week, Luke 2, 8 through 20, and I will read that in just a few moments. The text that we were about to read, for some random reason, reminded me of two very different stories in my life that I wanted to share with you this morning. We might call this the tale of two parties. In the first, I was in eighth grade and I was home alone on a Friday night. I desperately wanted to belong and to be out with others having fun. I had heard that there was something going on with my classmates and I resolved to be there. So I called the person who was having the party at their house and I basically begged them to go that night. Not my proudest moment. I remember feeling mortified at doing this, but groveling was better than staying home. I don't think that they were thrilled, but they let me crash. But it's a strange thing that happened. Because although I had wrangled an invitation, and maybe perhaps because I had wrangled an invitation, I didn't feel wanted there. Nor did I feel great about calling and putting pressure on someone just to be included. In fact, truthfully, I don't even remember who it was that I called. I don't remember where I was. I don't remember one thing that we did. I have vague images of their house, but I don't remember if it was a good time or not. Another party happened when I was working and going to graduate school. Mark and I had been married for about a year. And a coworker named Maria invited us to her wedding. In fact, everyone at our shop was invited. And even though we didn't know her well, we decided to go. It was an outdoor affair. It was quite lovely. And after the ceremony, uh, there was a reception, of course, at a hall. And we arrived and we were chatting with the only other person who had come from our work. And all of a sudden, uh, she came and she pulled the three of us up to the head table because she wanted us to sit with her family in the place of honor. And we said, oh yeah, no, 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 thank you so much. No, no, no. (laughs) But she insisted, and at first it was awkward, because that wasn't our place. And we didn't know anyone. (laughs) But they were so happy that we had come, and I remember so much about that evening. (laughs) I remember the couple and how everyone was so kind and welcoming, showing us that we belonged and we had a good time meeting new people and having amazing food and dancing. Our theme for Advent this year is preparing for a guest. Our scripture continues to be the night that Jesus was born. Last week, Pastor Danielle preached about Mary getting a surprise guest and how that young woman chose to trust God even though that visit And her choices changed everything about her life. Today, we talk about another unexpected visitation. This time, from the angels to the shepherds who are working the night shift in the fields. And when the celestial beings break through the veil of heaven and earth, they're basically inviting the shepherds to the head table of the most exclusive private party in history. And in this way, the shepherds, who are really nobodies in in their society, are highly honored. There are situations where we invite ourselves because we so desperately want to belong. And there are others where we are invited to belong and experience something beautiful that will stay with us the rest of our lives. 
In this case, the invitation was clearly from God to a holy gathering never before since seen, although it was quite ordinary in its expression. In this passage, there are meaningful Advent thoughts for us to ponder. So I invite you to hear the word of the Lord from Luke 2, starting at 8. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, you are our strength and our redeemer. So please give understanding and speak to us, Holy Spirit, with your wisdom and your encouragement. Amen. What kind of guest are you? How do you respond to the invitations in your life for events or for friendship or just for connection? We've been focused on preparing to receive the Christ child into our hearts But now I want to turn it around and think about how we respond to the invitation that God offers us to know him more. This morning, we have the opportunity to watch and learn from the shepherds, from their response to the angel's message. So there are four ideas from this passage that are simple, simple for us to grab onto and life-giving. Things that we see the shepherds do. One, keep listening even though you're afraid. Two, find the wonder in God's revelation. Three, go where you can see Jesus. And four, tell everyone you know about the amazing things God reveals to you. First, keep listening even though you're afraid. Everyone responds to the Lord differently. In the Christmas story, we read that most of the people have a lot of fear, or we imagine that they have fear because the angels are forever telling them, stop being afraid, don't be afraid. And we think, of course, this makes sense to us. Here, Luke says that the shepherds were terrified. And I want to offer a fresh perspective on these angels, these celestial beings, that might actually inspire more fear in us than before. 
Professor Shelley Matthews, who teaches at Bright Divinity School in Fort Worth, reminds us that we shouldn't over sentimental sentiment I can never get that word. What? Sentiment. Sentimentalize. Thank goodness for Mark Bates. <laughs> we shouldn't over sentimentalize. There we go. The nativity story. We might think of the angels as being these sweet things with gentle halos and sweet anthems. We sang that this morning and pastel robes. But in the biblical world, they are actually terrifying creatures. Dr. Matthew says that we should think of them as warriors from the cosmic sphere, equipped for battle. The shepherds first see one angel who shines with the glory of the Lord, and that was probably shocking on its own. And the angel says, there's good news. A savior has been born. And maybe just when the shepherds are getting a little comfortable, suddenly a whole multitude of the heavenly hosts appears to sing them an anthem. In the Greek, this phrase contains a military word, stratius, which means soldiers. So we might translate this as a large number of soldiers from heaven break into triumphal song for the God who is sending his son for the final battle between good and evil. Their song, their battle cry, calls people to know God's glory and the peace that people will have as they trust him, as they trust him in a world that is hostile to God. When God speaks or reveals his presence, it is awe-inspiring. And because God is full of glory and majesty, it can be frightening. Think about a time in your life when you felt God's presence in a way that made you tremble. Where you knew that God was near and talking to you. Maybe, maybe you were more afraid by what you knew he was saying to you more than anything. Maybe because he wanted you to say or to do something. When the Lord wants something, he makes it known. We don't have to guess. And if the presence of God or what he is saying makes us fearful, it's best to keep listening, even when we want to run away. Because in the Lord's presence, there is joy and wonder. This leads us to what we see next in the story, that there is wonder in what God reveals. I watched a short clip from the author and Bible translator and professor Walter Brueggemann about this story. And he said this, the angels tell the shepherds that they should be filled with wonder because they are receiving important news. History is being broken open with new possibility. In case the shepherds miss it, there is great joy at the coming of Jesus. To make it more clear, the entire night sky is ablaze with singing and light. Imagine that. Imagine what a scene that must have been. There's wonder when God works. There's wonder in God's creation. There's wonder in God's presence. The person who's interviewing Brueggemann on the clip asks him, do you think that humans have lost our sense of wonder? And Brueggemann looks straight at the camera and goes, yeah. 
We have lost our ability to experience the things of God as wonderful and worthy and awe-inspiring of all that we are. Is this true? Do you think that there is less wonder in the world for the beautiful and glorious aspects of God? I do. I think that there is a distinct lack of childlike marvel of who God is and the ways that he makes his love and his presence known to people. And this matters more in the church because if we lose our awe and wonder, how is anyone else going to find it? But then we stop and we think, man, even the most positive among us are discouraged and tired and feeling the effects of so much of everything happening in our lives that we don't have to repeat because we know what they are. Think about your life. Is there room for wonder and expressions of great joy? This is not an ironic question. It seems often that this time of year that it's a double-edged sword where we think that we have to find the glorious meaning of the Lord's advent only to be stressed and sorrowful and cynical at how life really is. We don't know much about the shepherds except perhaps how hard and messy their lives must have been. The nativity story is a gritty one full of real people who daily lived close to the earth in close communion with the created world. These guys are outside at night, not snuggled in their beds. I think they understand a bit about the hassles and the toils of life. But the angels ex inspire a new excitement. Talking among themselves, they decide to act on what they heard. They trusted the wonder of the moment to see what was possible. This week, I've been thinking about the carol, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. We sang it last week. The emphasis is actually on the song of the angels, written in 1849 by Edmund Sears, who was a Unitarian minister who wholeheartedly embraced and worshiped and proclaimed Jesus. And this time in which Sears lived, there was so much strife. The Civil War was approaching. The country was in chaos. And he wanted to give encouragement to followers of Christ who heard the angels proclaim peace on earth, but were living in a world that was dominated by anything but that. And there's one stanza that every Christmas I just think about. And ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. Look now for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing. O oh, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. If you are being crushed by life in some way, I exhort you to take moments in this season to sit 
and to listen to the songs that the angels sang. Look for the glory and find delight as a child. There are glad and golden hours on the horizon, and we are invited again to know the wonder of the Christ child who became our king. What splendor, what splendor does God have for you this year? Third, go, go where you can find Jesus. The shepherds heard many titles for the new baby that was born. They have no idea that his name would be Jesus, which means the Lord is salvation. But they are told by the angels that the baby will be a savior. A savior who will deliver people from their distressing predicaments on earth. That this child will be the Messiah the anointed one that God has chosen to carry out his transforming work. Luke also calls this babe in the manger, the Lord. This is a title that Luke has used already over 20 times in his book. This is an important term in Hebrew scriptures. Yahweh is typically addressed as the Lord. He is the only one addressed that way. So the angel is saying that this newborn carries the divine authority as God. Who wouldn't want to see Jesus? Last week on Facebook, my sister-in-law put up a picture of worship at her church and said, I love Sundays. And I thought about her when I read this passage. The shepherds went with haste to see the Savior That is something to inspire us. God invites us every day to come and spend time with the Savior. We are exhorted and encouraged to gather with others at least once a week. Do we look forward to the time with being with Jesus at the church? What I love about this picture is that they just went as they were. No cleaning up, no fancy clothes. They didn't bring gifts like the wise men. They didn't bring prophetic words like Anna and Simeon. They didn't break out into song or have a long discussion with whether or not they agreed with the theological underpinnings of the angel's message. (laughs) They just went to see Jesus because they were invited to do so. And the sign, the sign for them was that there was a child wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And when the shepherds showed up, they found exactly what the angel said. They had church in that manger or barn or cave or whatever you want to call it. Two or three gathered together to worship. God minimized in all of his glory and power into the form of a baby. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Where are the spaces where you experience Jesus? Do you know how much the Lord loves being with you? We are encouraged over and over again to keep meeting together, to continue taking time to see the Messiah. I hope one thing that we have learned in the pandemic is how accessible God is in the various spaces and platforms that we have gathered in. My prayer for the church, Big C, is that nothing will stop us from being united and wanting to worship our Lord. 
that regardless of our political or social or cultural ideas, as well as our personal preferences and our comfort that we value so highly, may those things never get in the way of what it means to worship the Lord. After the shepherds had been with Jesus, they went back to their jobs, continuing in an attitude of worship as they glorified and praised him for all the ways that he had met them. May time spent with Jesus fill us with joy. This is an excellent segue into our last lesson from the shepherds. They told everyone they could find about the amazing things God had showed them. They were the first evangelists for the good news that the angels proclaimed. When we believe something with our whole heart, don't we share it? When God gives us new life and invites us to know him more, we want to tell everyone about it. But look and pay attention to what the scripture says. It says that the shepherds reported what had been told them about the child by the angels. They believed in the hope of what the angel had said. The child was going to save them all. Going to see the baby could have been a sacred moment in their lives. But that's not what they're talking about. They're reporting that what they believe from scripture, what they believe that God had revealed to them was coming to pass. Their experience was amazing, but it is God's truth anchored in scripture that they are telling everyone about. Don't give up. The Messiah is coming. We talk a lot about what we've experienced from the Lord, and that is a good and right thing to do. But we also have to tell people the truth from scripture, from people who don't know Jesus, have never experienced them, and why he matters. Our world today needs a savior, no matter how much people say they don't. And no matter how much the difficulty of life or their experience of church dissuades them. So who in your life could you tell about the baby in the manger that we celebrate this week? Jesus' birth matters because we look to the beginning with the end in mind. Jesus, who saves us from our sins, who is coming again in a cloud of glory because he's victorious over death, is the Messiah. So who in your life this week is the Lord pushing you and prodding you to tell? From scriptures, from history, from personal uh, interactions, include what's going to happen in the future. Why do you believe? Who can you tell? Jesus taught us to be watchful and ready because the bridegroom was coming soon. We've been invited to a great celebration and this scripture reminds us to wait with listening and wonder, worship, and proclamation. Advent is a time of hopeful expectation. We celebrate the Savior who has come to earth and we look forward with great anticipation for when he comes again in glory to reign. Until that day, may we respond to God's loving invitation to seek and to know and follow him. I want to end with a quote again from Professor Brueggemann, which is really a prayer. In our secret yearnings, we wait for your coming, O Lord. And in our grinding despair, we doubt that you will. 
Give us grace and the patience to wait for your coming from the bottom of our toes to the edges of our fingertips. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.